Well, you're welcome to High Life this morning. We're going to get straight into the Word of God. Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful for the privilege of fellowship that we can commune with you, that we have access to the very throne and the very heart of our Father by the blood of Jesus. We thank you that through that fellowship, we can fellowship with one another. Thank you for the mystical union between the head and the body. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that permeates every life that is dedicated to the Lord Jesus. Uh, Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. We thank you for your presence. We ask you to help us today. We acknowledge that without you, we can do nothing. Without you, we can't understand anything. We can't see things as we should. We can't hear what we should hear. But with you, we can do all things. So we'll just give you room here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So for a few minutes, I'm going to be talking about overcoming faith. The theme for this year in this church is the rising army. And this army has one objective. Is to establish the reign of Christ in the earth. It's an army that is in advance. It's an army that has equipment. And uh, I would say the most important equipment we have, or piece of equipment we have, is faith. My theme verse is 1 John 5 verse 4. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Whatever is born of God overcomes. So if you're born again, if you're born of God, you are destined to overcome. What are you overcoming? You're overcoming the world. And what is the victory that overcomes the world? How do you establish that victory, how do you overcome? It says, through faith. Amen. I found, though, that, um, you know, yesterday at the Niera Summit, you know, Pastor Benny, we had two fantastic days of teaching, and we're going to be talking more about uh, the Niera School. And one of the things he talked about was the importance of understanding words or definition. Because you can use a word and we all understand the word differently. Yeah? So there's some key words in this passage that as the body of Christ, most of us have misunderstood. We've misunderstood what faith is. We've misunderstood what the world that we are called to overcome the faith is. Yeah? So there's really a lack of understanding about what this verse is saying. And I believe that as we listen this morning, through the help of the Holy Spirit, we'll begin to see faith the way God sees it, and we'll understand what we're called to overcome. But one thing is for sure, that faith is very important um, for the believer, because the Bible says in four verses from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that the just shall live by faith. It's not something that is a good doctrine to understand. No, your life depends on it. Your victory in life depends on it. Habakkuk 2 verse 4 says the just shall live by his faith. Romans 1.17 says the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11 says the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38 says the just shall live by faith. How many times does God need to say it? For us to know it's important. So we know it is important. That, that's how we live. In fact, one translation of Romans 1.17 says, It is out of the soil of faith that the righteous will grow up into real life. So the soil is faith. It says out of the very soil of faith is the righteous going to grow into real life. So your experience of the life of God is determined by your practical understanding of what faith is and how faith works. Again, 1 John 5, 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. 
You know, when Paul was talking about the weapons of a warfare, and in Ephesians 6, he begins to describe the full armor of God and telling us to put on the full armor of God. When he gets to talking about faith in verse 16 of Ephesians 6, he says, above all, he says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Hallelujah. So every dart, every attack of the enemy is going to be quenched by what? The shield of faith. When you lift up that shield of faith above all, the Amplified Version says, above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish or extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. All. I love that. So if an arrow gets through, it means I have not raised the protective shield. Are you with me? In fact, the Passion Translation talks about it being the wraparound shield. So you can't watch this one on television. Because this kind of shield wraps around you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. The wraparound shield of faith. The Greek word here refers to the large, you know, Pastor Tunde, when I was talking about the weapons of our warfare, I was talking about the sword of the spirit, the Machairus. This is an 18-inch sword that is, you know, keeps you balanced. It's not like one of these huge scabbards, you know. And you can use it for personal use and use it for attack. Short sword. But you see, the shield of faith here is taking its um, understanding from Roman soldiers. They had large shields designed to protect the entire body. It had an iron frame and it was covered in several layers of leather. Thick leather. So before they went into war, they would soak the leather in water. Yeah. So that when they were out in the war front, whenever the enemy shot fiery arrows, which were tipped, you know, in some inflammable substance, light them and shoot them. When it hit their shields, because of the water in the shields, it would quench all the arrows. So it was large and it was fit to purpose. Amen. Now, as far as this armament of God is concerned, it says faith is that shield. It says whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So, once we're armed with faith, whatever faith is, we're going to define it in a minute. It will help us overcome what? The world. Now, what is the world? You know, a lot of times when we read this verse, a lot of us think that it means that faith will help you overcome the challenges of life in order for you to be you know, the best in your game, the richest, the smartest, the one with the best looking wife and the best looking kids and the best looking cars. And, you know, like a nice game of Monopoly, at the end of your life, you'll be the winner of the game. You will have all the properties you want and all of this wonderful stuff. Yeah, that's not what he's talking about. Because if you follow the game of Monopoly to the end, you'll find out that at the end of the game, everything goes into a box. You don't get to take those cars and houses with you. Yeah? You know, some of us like to record our winnings. But I've not seen anyone that you visit their home and you see this game of Monopoly that they played three years ago on the table. I just want everyone to know how well I won that game three years ago. <laughs> yeah? That ought to be a hint that um, the focus of this, the world we're overcoming, is not so that we can, at the end of our lives, you know, everything goes into a box. What is the world? The Greek word for world is the cosmos, which speaks about the world system. If you look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, we begin to get an insight into a true understanding of what the world system is. I'm learning not to say that this is the biblical understanding and this is our understanding because the word of God is reality. 
So we need to redefine our understanding of reality from what we see in the world, uh, in the Word of God. Because if your definition of reality is based on what you see, what you feel, what you hear, what you taste, um, you are going to be deceived. Jesus said, sanctify them or separate them through your truth. Your word is reality. Your word is the truth. Amen. So this is what the world system actually is. 1 John chapter 2, I'll start reading from verse 15. It says, do not love the world, the cosmos, the world system. The word we love here is the Greek word agape. So it's saying don't give yourself to the world system. Don't seek its highest good. Don't be sold out to the world system. It says, love not the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves this system, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away. This is news before it happens. The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So you are in a system, you and I are in a system, we're in a context that the Bible says we should not love. Because if you love it, you cannot love it and love the Father. You can't do both. So it's saying, don't love it. And then he begins to define what is in it. He says, in the world system, there is the lust of the flesh. Now, there's nothing wrong in desires, but a lust speaks about the magnitude of a desire that it compels you or it overrides everything else. Everything you are doing is to satisfy this desire. The lust of the flesh is the satisfaction of the things of the flesh as your preoccupation. It's all about how I feel, what makes me feel good. In fact, there is a philosophy that has been pushed in what is considered to be the developed world that if it feels good, do it. Now, the Bible is saying that that is the world system. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. We've got a cute term for it, consumerism. In fact, a growing economy is defined by how much you are consuming. Making it easy for you to buy and buy and buy and buy and buy and buy. And once you've bought the latest one, another one is coming out, which you absolutely have to have. Because you can't have the one from last year. And the one that you are buying now, you're just buying it. It's like temporarily because next year something is coming out and you've got to have that. So the deepening lust of the flesh, the deepening lust of the eyes. Wow, I'll have that one. And then when I've had her, I've got to have that one too. Well, it works for him too, actually. I'll have him. It says, the lust of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life. I'm doing better than he is. I'm doing better than she is. Look at me. Look at what I have. Look at who I'm walking with. He says, all these things are the world system. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can, and... He said, that's the world system. Now, it says that system is passing away. It's passing away. Forget what they're telling you in the news. It's not getting better. It is passing away. And those who love it do not have the love of the Father in them. So when the Bible says that whatever is born of God overcomes the world, that's what it's talking about. The person that is born of God sees through the lie. Is not taken in by the world system. 
And the only way they will overcome that system is by faith. If your faith is not in operation, you'll be sucked in and dominated by the spirit of this age. Hallelujah. You can't fight it if you're not walking by faith. Now let us unpack this. Let's start in 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 5. 1 Peter 5, 5. I'll read from the New King James. It says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. We could preach that today. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Notice that's one sentence. It says, God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So it says, humble yourself. Humility is something you're going to do for yourself, not what God is going to do for you. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting your care upon him. Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. The Passion Translation says, if you bow low, that's verse 6, in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. So one of the ways we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand is by pouring out our anxieties and care on him. Do you get that? One of the ways we are humbling ourselves because when you carry care and anxiety, you're actually walking in pride. Because you are putting your faith in the devil's ability to destroy your life rather than in God's ability to put you over. So when you cast your care on the Lord... You are demonstrating your humility because you know that you can trust him. You are exercising your faith in God. Amen. Now the world tells you that it is normal to be anxious and to be worried. But the Bible is telling you that the truth of the matter is that your worry and anxiety is not helping you. Your worry and anxiety is actually a manifestation of your pride. And the Bible says that God will resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility is actually uh, evidence of the fact that you are trusting God. And you demonstrate that by trusting him with your worries and your care. It's not saying don't plan. It's not saying don't invest. It is saying don't be worried. It's not saying be lazy, but it's saying don't be worried. Don't be anxious. Amen. A Christian should not have a heart attack. Shouldn't. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian if you do. It just means that you're not meant to. Yeah? Because irrespective of what is happening, it says, pour out your worries on him and leave them there. Amen. But then, let's go on. That's the way I'm going. It says, verse 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion... Seeking whom he may devour, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus, after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now just see the train of thought here. Remember, this is a letter. He's not jumping around the place. He begins by talking about humility. Then he says, we'll cast our care on the Lord because he cares for us. 
Um, then he says that you need to be sober and vigilant because the devil is trying to devour you. So there is a link between your worries and cares being cast on God and the devil's ability to get involved in your life. You know, anxiety and worry is a way the enemy is trying to get into your life. Are you with me? The implication here is that if you do not bring your worries and cares to God, the devil will use depression and discouragement to devour you. Just as lions go after the feeble, the young, the stragglers, so the enemy of our souls will always seek out those who are isolated, alone, or depressed to devour them. You will never be depressed if you are casting your cares on the Lord. This is one of the ways the devil tries to come in. And you know, the world system has been structured to increase the pressure to cause you to get increasingly depressed, increasingly overwhelmed if you are not actively exercising your faith by casting your care on the Lord. It is by faith that we overcome the world's values. It is by faith that we overcome the world's operational structure as to how things should be done. When you're walking by faith, all of a sudden, worry will no longer be a luxury you can entertain. You will find yourself walking crosswise to the world. Look at the book of Revelation. Look at Revelation chapter 12. We're talking about overcoming faith. The faith that overcomes the world system. In Revelation 12, let's read it very quickly from verse 7. It says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Who deceives who? The whole world. So that means that the whole world system is operating on deception. It says the devil, Satan, deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Now we're talking about overcoming, are we not? And we've said that you overcome by faith. Faith is how we overcome. And what are we overcoming? We're overcoming the world system. The world's values. Now Satan is the God of the world system. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. It says the God of the world has blinded their eyes. So Satan is the God of the world system. So we understand why the world system is passing away. Amen. Now in, in this passage, it begins to talk about how faith is expressed. Because it says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. We're talking about faith. Because faith is how you overcome. So they overcame him by faith in the blood of the lamb. Faith in the word of their testimony. Faith. That caused them not to love their lives until death. Now the Bible calls him who is the God of this world the devil. Satan. The word devil is the Greek word diabolos. Which speaks about an accuser. A lying slanderer. That's what the devil means. So you are going to overcome the accuser. Don't be surprised when accusations come against you. They are going to come from within. They are going to come from without. When accusations are leveled against you, 
don't forget that the source of that is the devil. And you are only going to overcome accusation how? By faith. Faith in the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and a faith that causes you not to love your life unto death. We're going to explain that. Devil is a lion slanderer. Satan, the word Satan means an adversary. One who opposes you. Where you need to defend yourself. Hallelujah. The devil is going to oppose you. And you're going to need to defend yourself. Remember in 1 Peter it says, resist him steadfastly in faith. You're going to have to resist him because he's coming against you. It's going to happen within. It's going to happen without. But it says the way you overcome is number one, faith in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. What he has done for you. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been doing foundation classes. And you know, you can't build anything of any substance unless you have a decent foundation. All right? So... Foundations are things that you should never ignore. Even after you've built a good foundation and you build your wonderful building, every single day you're going to be walking on the foundation, are you not? You might forget about it, but your foundation had better be established because for the rest of your life you are walking on that foundation. Now we've been talking about what God did for us in Christ at the cross. Romans 10.4 says that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. For all those who believe. Amen. So faith in the blood of the Lamb is faith in the efficacy of the blood. Faith in what the blood of Jesus has procured for you. Are you with me? When the devil throws an accusation, when you fall on your face and he says, you know, you can't be a Christian. The way you quench that fiery dart is you lift up the shield of faith. Faith in what? The blood of the Lamb. You can say that in Him I have remission of sins through the blood of Jesus. It is faith in that blood that is going to cause you to overcome. When things come against you, there is something in the blood of the Lamb, the one of our testimony... And the fact that we love not our lives unto death, that will cause you to overcome. If you don't exercise your faith, you will not overcome in that situation. And what that will do is that the devil will bring you into a corner and he will devour you. Which means that he will make you ineffective and you will not fulfill that which God has already earmarked for you to fulfill. And that's why the apostle says, above all, raise the shield of faith. This is an active thing we're doing. Hallelujah. We're actively raising it. We're actively identifying what the devil is throwing. We're not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of what the world is trying to do. We're not ignorant of where the world is going. And therefore, we're actively moving forward with our shield of faith. Faith in the blood of the Lamb. Faith in the word, the word of our testimony. Faith in the word of our testimony. Look, look at Mark 4 real quick. Praise God. You know, Mark 4 speaks about the parable of the soils. In Mark 4, 14, he talks about the fact that the sower goes out to sow the word of God. And he talks about the different kinds of heart that the word is sown in. And he's saying that you get to determine what kind of heart, what kind of soil this word is coming into. Now we've said that it is out of the soil of what? Faith that the righteous will grow up into real life. But if your heart is not a soil of faith, when the word comes, the outcome is not going to be fruitfulness. But you and I get to determine what kind of soil we have. Amen. In verse 17, I'm not going to read the whole thing because of time. You know this anyhow. Verse 16 says, these likewise are the ones sown on what stony ground. Who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Wow. That's a good bunch, isn't it? 
People who want the best for themselves, they want to do what God has for them. They're not resisting God. They're people of God. Amen. They love the Lord. They love his word. But it says afterward, and they have no root in themselves, so endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Hallelujah. So they received the word. They were excited about it. But that word did not get rooted. They did not root that word. They did not rest their heart on that word. They enjoyed it in church, but that was the last time they thought about it. Because in their minds, there is spiritual and there is practical. Have you ever heard someone say that? You know, if I'm in a conversation with someone and I'm talking about spiritual things and they say, let's get practical, I will smile. But in my mind, as I'm smiling, I'm thinking, what a fool you are. Because the Bible says that everything that is seen was made out of things that you can't see. The world of the spirit created everything that you are interacting with in the physical dimension. So when we are talking about spiritual things, there is a wisdom that is coming from the spirit that is going to change your experience of physical life. Hallelujah. We're not talking about esoteric things. If somebody is talking about something spiritual and it's esoteric, then, you know, it is not spiritual because real spirituality will have an expression that will impact your physical life. Hallelujah. It says this word of life was not well rooted in their heart because it is out of the word that faith comes. And faith is how we overcome the world. So, when the devil comes, the persecution comes, the affliction comes, because that word was not rooted, they were immediately devoured. Are you with me? The next verse speaks about another type of ground. It says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones that hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. See how what is considered practical is affecting the spiritual. The cares of this world. So the worries of this world, the anxieties of this world are coming from a system that is governed by the enemy. And the reason why those things are coming is in order to devour you. Hallelujah. But he says that instead of having a, a heart of faith or a soil of faith, what we are doing is we are planting the word in a soil that is filled with the world's values. We're trying to do both. So what we do is we're trying to be Christians in the world system and off the world system. Well, I'm going to come to that in a minute when we're talking about faith. So what is happening is we're trying to do both. We're trying to straddle both. We're trying to overcome the world, the world's way, using the Bible as a, you know, to superimpose the Bible on world values. So what's happening is the seed starts to grow. And then the cares of this world choke the seed. You would have thought the seed would be more powerful than the word. Other than the cares. But you decided to sow them in there. You need to uproot those cares. It says the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. And the loss of other things. You know we're trying to believe God. For a level of financial independence. So that when we get it. We don't need to believe God anymore. And if we're smart. We'll understand there's a problem with that. If the Bible says the just shall live by faith, then if you are trying to use your faith to get to a point where you'll never need to believe God anymore, then you are trying to use God's values against him using the devil's system. Are you with me? Now, I am not saying that we're not going to get to a point where we have more than enough. But when Paul was writing to Timothy, he says those who are rich in this world uh, should not trust in uncertain riches. So it is possible to be rich and not to trust in riches. When we do this thing right, we will get to a place where we have more than enough. 
But you know, when we have more than enough, it will not change our devotion to God. We'll be able to walk away from anything that he has blessed us with because the only thing that we will not live without is the presence of God. Doesn't matter what's going on. Doesn't matter what he blesses us with. But once he speaks, we move away. Hallelujah. Because the only thing that satisfies us is the presence of God. So because they were trying to do both, Caring for the world, running after the world, and also saying, no, but God, I'm with you. What happened was the cares choked the word, and they became unfruitful. He said they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. They overcame by the word of their testimony. Hallelujah. The word of God that is planted in a heart of faith will overcome anything. That the world system throws against it. Anything. Because whatever is born of God does what? Overcomes the world. The last part of that passage in Revelation 12 is the fact that they overcame because they loved not their lives unto the death. Look at um, John 12, 24. John 12, 24. I'm going to read the Passion Translation. I want to read verses 24 and 25. We're talking about this army that is rising. This army that is equipped with the shield of faith. And they're using that shield of faith to overcome the world system. So they can move into the full purposes of God. Look at what it says. It says, let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat until it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat. All because one grain died. Verse 25 says, the person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. You know that Revelation scripture, when you hear people quote it, you hear them quote it this way. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Full stop. Yeah. Two thirds. And then they don't, because their heart is resisting that last bit. And you know, if it was in the Old Testament, they would have said, well, that bit was an Old Testament revelation. It's not for us New Testament believers. But because it's in Revelation at the end of the book, it's a problem. So let's just forget that bit and ignore it. It says the way they overcame him, the exercise of their faith was in the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and the fact that they were not attached to this world. If you love this world, then the love of the father is not in you. You know, Jesus said, he said, let me be clear. If you don't want to go through death, then you're just going to abide alone. You know, God has a fruitfulness destined for you. That is going to go from time into eternity. But that fruitfulness that is destined for you is going to go through a period of death. And that period of death is essentially what it says in verse 25. The person who loves his life and pampers it will abide alone or will miss true life. But the one who allows me to take that seed and plant it in the ground and die, that one is the person who has detached his life from this world and abandons himself to me hallelujah abandoning ourselves to him then we'll enter into true life so let's talk about faith you know he says that whatever is born of God overcomes the world overcomes the world system because the world system is a deceptive system yeah it deceives you into thinking that if you have enough money you'll be fine it's better to have money than not to have it but the deception of money is that if you trust in money, you'll be okay. And we ignore all the people that have killed themselves even though they had a lot of money. We forget that bit. They had a lot of money, but they were depressed. It's the deception. And the whole world is under the deception of the enemy. The whole world system. How can everyone be deceived? That's what the Bible says. That's the reality. And the word is telling you the truth and the reality. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, we need to overcome that world system by faith. What is faith? 
You know, Einstein said you cannot solve a problem using the same level of consciousness that created it. Yeah? Now, that is wisdom that comes from the word, actually. Because what he's saying is, if you are under domination within a context, you know, you only know what you know. And the worst thing you can do is, it's okay not to know stuff, but the worst thing is when you don't know that you don't know. And then people that know more than you, you don't want to hang out with them. So you stay with people that only know what you know. And you feel that you can judge what everyone is saying, even though you don't know what you don't know. It's a very funny thing. Anyway, you'll understand that when you get home. You know, you cannot overcome the world with something that comes from the world. You cannot overcome the world system using tools in the world system because those tools in the world system are there to ensure that you remain bound. So you cannot overcome the world using a tool that you are getting from the same system. In other words, faith that overcomes the world system is not human faith. It is not a faith that rises out of the system or a faith that is strengthened by the world system of values, of beliefs, and of priorities. Yeah? And it's logical because you can't use something in the world system to overcome it. Are you with me? And that is why in slavery, you can't overcome your captors like that. <laughs> because they make sure you don't have the tools to overcome them. You need a deliverer. When Jesus was going to save us, we could not save ourselves. That's why the Bible said we are without hope. So somebody had to come from outside the system, get into the system to set us free. In like manner, you cannot overcome the world using the world's values. It means that irrespective of how educated you are, and there's nothing wrong in education, everyone should get an education. But you cannot put your confidence in that. Hallelujah. It's just going to make sure that, you know, you are perfectly equipped to function within a system that is passing away. Are you with me? So when the Bible talks about faith, it's not talking about a human faith. You know how your confidence can rise with the level of education you have and the more money you have. And I won't say there's anything wrong in that, but it is wrong from the perspective that if that's where your confidence is, you are not going to overcome the world system. Hallelujah. So that means that the faith of God that we're talking about has a different origin and its substance is from a different dimension. The faith that will overcome the world is a faith that everybody that is born of God has. Hallelujah. It would overcome the world system, but it's not coming from your mind. It is not coming from your strength and energy. It's coming from a different place. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Praise God. Okay, I think I'm going to stop here and then we'll maybe do part two next week. But look at Hebrews 11. Let me stop here. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. By it, the elders obtained a good report. Verse 3 says, Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. There is something substantial about faith and that substance comes from the realm of the spirit. He says that the elders, we have example upon example of people that overcame the world by faith. And the whole chapter is dedicated to talking about people that overcame by faith. They overcame the lust of the flesh. They overcame the lust of the eyes. They overcame the pride of life. It says through faith the worlds were framed by the word of God. Just like God created the world through his word, 
These people that we are going to talk about created their world. They framed their world by faith. They framed their world with the word of God. They did not allow their world to frame them. They did not allow the world system to squeeze them into its mold, but they framed their experience of life by the word of God. Hallelujah. When the faith of God is demonstrated, it looks strange to those who are from the world system. Because it is something that is not, the values of the faith of God or the exercise of the faith of God looks strange to those around you. Because you are operating from a different place. The reason why his exercise looks strange is because it originates from the invisible realm. It is strengthened from the invisible realm. It sees the invisible realm and its goal is in the invisible realm. You know, that's why Paul could be in jail. You know, I said to you earlier that the book of Philippians was one of the prison epistles. He was writing from jail during his first imprisonment. And Philippians 4.4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, can you imagine yourself in a prison? Yeah? This is a Roman dungeon, a Roman prison. Yeah? And there's no lights, there's no water. You're just there in a dungeon, in a hole. Okay? And then you're writing, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, he's overcoming the world. But the reason why he's overcoming the world is because this thing called faith is not originated from what is happening around. Because the world system will say, you know, this is the time to be very worried. This time, it is wisdom to be worried in this scenario, the world will tell you. Have you ever heard when people say, let us be wise about these things? And when you dissect that definition of wisdom, it is from a system that is to keep you bound. That is why, for instance, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, we do not lose heart. This is verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 4. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day after. Ah! You know, with the world's investment, the billions in cosmetic surgery, somebody whose outward man is perishing is not going to say, let us not lose heart. Once the wrinkle appears, we have lost our heart. If one strain of hair turns from black to gray, you can predict the direction the heart is going to start going. But Paul, he says we don't lose heart because even though our outward man is perishing, that means that what is causing him not to lose heart is not from here. Because if you hang out with some people around here, they'll be losing heart for you. He says our inward man is being renewed day after day. Our light affliction, light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So his faith is being fueled by something that is not from here, by a sight that is not from here. He's not looking at the things that are seen. So he's able to overcome the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, because the substance of his faith is established on something that is eternal. I know when he says our light affliction, in 2 Corinthians 11, he talks about some of this light affliction. He talks about when he was flogged, the number of times he was shipwrecked, the number of times he was beaten and left for dead, the number of times he was hungry and destitute, the number of times when his ship uh, got shipwrecked and was left in the ocean for days, like light affliction. He says, we're always confident. Because we walk by faith. 
and not by sight. He says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world system. Sorry, I have to end it here, but we'll continue next week. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life are things that we're meant to contend against and overcome. Because we have a higher purpose. We have a higher purpose. You know, some of the resistance we face is not from the devil, it's from God. Because first of all, God resists the proud. We saw that. He resists the proud. So if your strength is in yourself, given what he has planned for your life, he knows that when your strength is in yourself, you're not going to get there. And he loves you enough to help you to get there. So he will stand like that donkey. Thank God for donkeys. How many times have donkeys been used by the Lord? He will stand in front of Balaam as that donkey and he will resist you. Are you trying to move forward? You can't move. You don't know there's an angel there with his sword. That, Listen, this donkey is helping you right now. Because if you move further, your life is going to be cut short. So we're trying to struggle. But some of the resistance comes from God. Some of the resistance comes from the devil. He's trying to devour us. But the way we're going to overcome him is not by pulling your hair out. Jesus said, the prince of this age comes. He has nothing in me. So you need to uproot those cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. Because the only way you're going to overcome him is by embracing kingdom values. Where your confidence is based on the blood. When you get up in the morning, you're not checking yourself. The sins of omission, commission. If the blood, if the blood, if the blood is the basis of our confidence, then we enter into the presence of God in confidence because our faith is in the blood. Oh, we've not been able to get pregnant. Maybe it's the sins of our old days that have caught up on us. It's the devil that is behind that thought. The thing I committed three years ago, ah, maybe this is why I can't get pregnant now. But Lord, I said sorry now. Are you still chasing me? The fiery dart is coming your way. And it's finding its place in your heart. But you need to lift up the shield of faith. Expressed through the blood. You begin to rejoice the blood. You move forward the blood. The word of our testimony. What does the word say about this thing? What does the word say? They've said it. Everybody else has told you. What does the word say? You lift up the word and you move forward. That's how you overcome. We don't love our lives unto death. So they take the car. Let them take it. There are some lessons you may have. There are things you did wrong. may have done wrong. Bad decisions. But the Bible says there's hope for a tree. It's not over. Don't think it's over. It's not over. Hallelujah. What we're doing goes beyond time into eternity. We're going to go into this a bit deeper next week. Hallelujah.